Welcome to Trinity. We're a church family learning how to follow Jesus in the city of Nottingham. Our vision is to see the church on fire and the city alive. Good morning all. Today's reading is taken from Revelation chapter 5. Then I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written with writing on both sides and sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming in a loud voice, who is worthy to break the seals and open the scroll? But no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth could open the scroll or even look inside it. I wept and wept because no one was found who was, who was worthy to open the scroll or look inside. Then one of the elders said to me, Do not weep. See, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, was triumphed. He is able to open the scroll and its seven seals. Then I saw a lamb, looking as if it had been slain, standing at the center of the throne, encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. The lamb had seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. He went and took the scroll from the right hand of him who sat on the throne. And when he had taken it, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb. Each one had a harp and they were holding golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of God's people. And they sang a new song saying, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals because you were slain. And with your blood, you purchased for God persons from every tribe and language and people and nation. You have made them to be a kingdom and priests to serve our God and they will reign on the earth. Then I looked and heard the voice of many angels, numbering thousands upon thousands and 10,000 times 10,000. They encircled the throne and the living creatures and the elders. In a loud voice, they were saying, worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and wealth and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and praise. Then I heard every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all that is in them saying, to him who sits on the throne and to the lamb, be praise and honor and glory and power forever and ever. The four living creatures said, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshiped. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name's Amy, for those that don't know. Uh, married to Johnny. Johnny and I help lead the team here. Um, Johnny's actually at St. Andrew's this morning. Uh, and so be praying for them uh, uh, right now. Just maybe say a little prayer in your heart and mind. Um, it's their uh, last service over there at St. Andrew's before we become uh, one. Uh, which is very exciting, and also there's a grief and a loss in that. So we want to hold those things really wisely and uh, compassionately. So pray for them. Uh, let's pray for me, because revelation. <laughs> yeah, 
I mean, I feel like I've got a good one, Revelation 5, but there is so much. So let's just ask the Lord to speak what he wants to say this morning, because uh, there is so much that I could say that I'm just not. So, all right. Well, Holy Spirit, we, um, we just thank you that you are in this space, that you are over at St. Andrew's, Lord, and you know all things. You know all things. You hold all wisdom and knowledge, and you get the bigger picture of all of it that we don't see. And Lord, we humbly submit to you this morning. And we say, Lord, would you have your way over there? Would you have your way here? And Father, we, we ask that you would, um, would you whisper your words this morning? I pray, God, that you would fill me with um, your ability. Would you fill me with your spirit to be able to um, speak out what you want to speak? Give, us, give me the courage, Lord. And I pray um, that you would open our hearts and minds to receive everything that you have, that you would help us see you clearly, love you dearly, Lord, for more and more of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, it, is, it is Palm Sunday, so um, I'm going to touch on that, because actually, <laughs> Revelation 5 and Palm Sunday kind of work really well together, so uh, you think we planned it, but there you go. Um, but anyway, I was, um, was actually reading an article, uh, I was actually reading it this morning, and it, com- it got me, I'm just going to um, share it. It's actually um, a quote that's taken from um, Anne Lamott's book, Bird by Bird. I don't know whether anyone's read it. Uh, it's of a brother's sacrifice. An eight-year-old boy had a young sister who was dying of leukemia. And he was told that without a blood transfusion, she would die. His parents explained to him that his blood was probably compatible with hers. And if so, he could be the blood donor. They asked him if they could test his blood. And he said, sure. So they did. And it was a good match. Then they asked him if he would give his sister a pint of blood, that it could be her only chance of living. He said he would have a think about it overnight. The next day, he went to his parents and said that he was willing to donate the blood. So they took him to hospital where he was put in uh, beside the six-year-old sister. And both of them were hooked up to IVs. A nurse withdrew a pint of blood from the boy, which was then put into the girl's IV. The boy lay in silence whilst the, blo- whilst the blood dripped into his sister until the doctor came over to see him and asked how he was doing. Then the boy opened his eyes and asked, How soon until I die? <laughs> it totally wrecked me when I read that this morning. You know, and I think we're all here, aren't we? I mean, I'm sure you've maybe heard that story before or read it in the book. But, you know, we're moved, aren't we? We're moved by that story. I'm moved by that story. Because we know, don't we? We know that this boy ultimately thought he was going to die for his sister. He didn't get it. But he had already decided, hadn't he, to give his life for his sister. And we know it moves us because we know it's the highest form of love. We know it's the highest form of love. And this whole book, this revelation that we're going to, Revelation 5, what we see and what we're going to unveil um, is 
the highest form of love, which is sacrificial love. So take a breather. <clears throat> but for, um, for those that don't know, that are visiting us um, this morning, we are actually in a, in a series in Revelation. And uh, we have been <laughs> and will be probably for a little while. Um, and uh, um, Johnny, uh, last week he unpacked um, Revelation 4. And he was basically saying um, that heaven is before us. That heaven is before us. It's not some distant place that we're sort of going to go one day. Um, but it's a, it's a place and God is on the throne. And he used this idea of um, this sort of control room that God's on the throne, that he is occupying the, the control room of the universe, I believe he said. And our response, and he led us, our response to that is, is worship and surrender, that we lay down our lives and worship him no matter what. And, uh, and so now here we are in Revelation 5. So if you've got your Bible, we're literally going to um, sort of have a little journey through. And then I'm just going to pick three points simply that I feel like God has spoken to me about this week. Um, and then we're going to take communion together as a response. Okay, so, um, so Revelation 5, which really is a, um, it really is a continuation of Revelation 4. Um, they actually go together. Um, you know, as you read them, they actually go um, they go uh, side by side. So if um, Revelation 5 um, is the zooming in on the throne, so we've, we've learned, haven't we, that, that God is occupying the throne, and then Revelation 5, we're zooming in, what's happening in the throne, on the throne. Okay, so we read, the chapter begins then, um, verse 1, um, with John uh, seeing, it's the theme of Revelation, seeing in the right hand of the one sitting on the throne, God, he sees a scroll with writing on both sides, and it's sealed with seven seals. So what does this mean? What does it mean? Uh, a seal, uh, a sealed scroll, what does that mean? Firstly, seven um, we remember, don't we, as we go through this series, that the, word, the number seven is a symbol. It means completion. It means um, perfection. Um, and so seven seals means it's completely safe. You know, it's perfectly protected. Um, this scroll is um, completely, what's inside it is completely safe. And then the scroll, what's the scroll? Well, the scroll is God's sovereign plan of the world, basically. What's inside the, the scroll is the meaning and direction of history. It's the completeness of God's plan and his ongoing purposes. The plan to bring kingdom, the kingdom of heaven to earth um, and, and the meaning of your history and the meaning of my history. All in this scroll. And Daryl Johnson puts it like this. Uh, that we've been following a little bit with a commentary, he writes, the scroll contains the full amount of what God in his sovereign will has determined as the destiny of the world. That's what's inside this perfectly sealed scroll. Therefore, we learn straight away is that there isn't, uh, there isn't not only is there um, someone occupying the throne, not someone just sitting on it, but there's a plan. There is a plan in the hand of the Almighty. Okay, verse 2 says, Then an angel shouts in a loud voice, we think, for all to hear, But who is worthy? 
Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy to reveal God's plan of salvation and execute it? Who's worthy? And then reading on, don't we? John, he then weeps. He, he weeps. I read this as like a, a groan. Like a, he's weeping. Because no one is found worthy, as it writes. No one is found worthy. There's no one worthy to come to the throne. There's no one holy enough. And for John, you know, this is devastating. Absolutely devastating. The thought that no one can put the world right. You know, all the suffering and the pain that we see, you know, that John sees, it's like, oh, there's no one to put it right. There's no one to fulfill, to execute the plan of the Almighty. You know, it should lead us to weep at that thought. No one to put it right. And even as I was thinking about this, this is like the weeping of the world. Can you imagine thinking, living in this world of pain and sorrow and suffering and not thinking that there's a hope, that there's someone to execute, there's someone to make it right? A world without Jesus is gut-wrenching. You know, and you think about it for a moment, and that's the weep, that's the cry of our world that don't know is going to be put right. I think we have to feel that sometimes. You know, humans can do amazing things. <laughs> totally. We're amazing, right? <laughs> we can do amazing things. You know, we, um, we can create incredible architecture, you know, astonishing architecture, science and technology. My brother's a, a transplant surgeon. I'm like, the things that he tells me, I'm like, how can you humanly do that? You know, it's so clever. You know, we have so much knowledge about so many things, don't we? But... <laughs> But we cannot open the scroll which enables God's secret divine plan to be released and implemented. No one. No one can. But, verse 5, then one of the elders says, he shouts, do not weep. Do not weep. Look. Again, a revelation word. Look. It's going to be unveiled. It's going to be seen. Look. Another translation says, say, see. The elder says, look, the lion of Judah, the root of David has overcome, you know. No, but the lion has overcome. You know, it's like, no, look, see, the lion of Judah that we've, we've heard about, he's overcome. You know, these are messianic expectations. The Jewish people are expecting this conquering king, this roaring lion, this rippling with muscles is going to come and overcome. It's going to come and defeat. And this is what Palm Sunday is about. You know, Jesus rides into Jerusalem. What does he ride on? He rides on a donkey. It's so upside down. He's riding on a donkey, and they're like cheering for the conquering king that's coming in on a horse and all of that. It's like, no, he's coming in on a donkey. What's happening? This wasn't what was expected. 
The elder says, look, a lion, a lion, the lion's triumphed. And Daryl Johnson says, what happens next changes the way we see everything, absolutely everything on earth. And so imagine with me, okay, so John's weeping. He's weeping at the idea that no one um, can open the scroll. And then the elder says, you know, don't weep, look, the lion. And so he, he looks. And does he see then? Does he see this roaring lion that he's expecting to see? Because that's who he's been yelled that he's going to see. You know, this roaring lion with muscles and might and power. You know, this savage image. Yet when he looks up, what does he see? Does he see the lion? He doesn't see the lion. As he looks up, he sees the lamb as if slain. A New Testament scholar, Eugene Boring, says, this is perhaps the most mind-wrenching wrenching rebirth of images in literature. The slot in the system reserved for the lion has been filled by the Lamb of God. The lion is overcome, and I saw a lamb. Okay, just really quickly, a few things to point out here. We, read, we follow on by saying that the lamb um, has seven horns and seven eyes. And remember this idea of seven being completeness. So this lamb that is slain has got seven horns, which basically means it's a, it's a symbol and a picture of perfect strength. This slain lion is perfectly strong. Seven eyes, eyes, they represent wisdom. Seven eyes. This slain, this slain lion, this slain lamb is a perfect picture of wisdom. So the lamb is completely and perfectly wise and strong and all-powerful. This slain lamb is the essence of wisdom and power. And this lamb is in the middle of the throne, in the very center of the throne. And it says that the slain lamb was standing. You know, this is a picture of resurrection. The slain lamb is standing in the middle of the throne. And so going back to Revelation 4, we learn that the almighty eternal God sits on the throne how can the lamb be there too? We learn that God Almighty is sitting on the throne. Where, how, how does the lamb fit in this? Unless, of course, the lamb stands in the very center of the one who sits on the throne. Now, we know this, right? The slain lamb is the heart of God. And that's why only he and he alone is worthy to open the scroll. Only he is worthy to hold all of life. Only he has the wisdom and the ultimate power of God, Jesus Christ. In verse 7, it says he, he took it. And it actually means he's taken it. It means that it's done. It means the lion has conquered as a lamb. The king has overcome and conquered death, but in an utterly upside down way. The lamb wins by being slaughtered, <clears throat> triumphed 
by going to the cross, sacrificing himself for the sake of the world. So the rest of the the rest of the chapter is then our response. It's the response to this unbelievably upside down imagery and truth. Verse 8, the four living creatures and 24 elders, they fell down before the lamb as soon as he took it and opened the scroll. They fell down. Each one had a harp and they were holding uh, bowls of incense that were the prayers of the people. I mean, you could do a whole sermon on that. Ugh. Another time. That he hears our prayers. You know, these are bowls of the people. Your prayers aren't wasted. Your intercessions aren't wasted. He hears them. He's gathering them. He's holding them. Anyway. And they fell down in worship. You know, this is a picture of utter humility. You know, worship is humility. When you humble yourself, it's worship. Worship isn't just singing. You know, they're holding their harps. I'm not to say they're playing their harps. There's no music. The worship is the, the humility to fall at the Lamb's feet. And then after that, there's an explosion of worship, the realization of what's happened, the magnitude of God's mercy and grace. And then verse 9, they sing a new song. You are worthy. You are worthy to take the scroll and open its seals because you were slain. Daryl, my mate Daryl, says, they sing a new song, not because the lamb created us, which he did, and not because the lamb rose from from the grave, which he did, but because he was slain. The new song is the song that the lamb was slain. The song continues, and with your blood you purchased for God persons from every tribe, language, people, and nation. He's basically saying through Jesus' life, death, and and resurrection, we are now purchased. You and I are now purchased in Jesus for his kingdom and have become priests in his kingdom. This is everybody. Again, you could do a whole sermon on all of that. Everyone able to serve God and reign on the earth in Jesus. Only Jesus defines us. Nothing else defines us. Only Jesus. And then as we read, you know, more and more added, there's a swelling of praise. There's a ripple out to then all creation as we declare that he is the one that is worthy because he is the lamb that was slain. You know, that's like Joe said earlier, that's all we've got to do. Just declare that. That's what it means to be a priest, is to declare what Jesus has done and who he is. Okay, I am coming into, I am going to come into land soon. Okay, so like I said, there are so many things that we can unpack from that. Um, but I'm just, gonna, I'm just gonna mention three things that have really highlighted, um, they've been highlighted to me really this week, um, that I'm just trusting that the Lord has put on my heart uh, for us to receive today. So the first thing I want to draw out of it is that um, because of what we've read, we are safe to approach the throne. Number one, we are safe to approach the throne. Because Jesus took on sin, our sin, and defeated it, he went to the cross for us instead of us. You know, we hear this all the time, don't we? When you're in church, you hear this news all the time, but we need to get it. (laughs) He who knew no sin took on sin. And because of that, 
we can now approach God Almighty on the throne. We can now approach him in Christ no matter what. Picture the throne, God in all his splendor, and there's a slain lamb that is beckoning us to him because he's taken all of our rubbish that we can go and approach the, the throne of God Almighty. Oh, hallelujah. The center of reality is grace. And what's beautiful about this is that we work from this victory, not towards it. He's taken the scroll. He has opened it. This is a victorious moment as we celebrate in the resurrection next week at Easter. He's raised from the dead. He's conquered. We work and we live from victory, not towards it. The lamb is already on the throne in the center of God. Nothing can dethrone the lamb. It can't be undone. You and I then can approach God just as we are. Just as we are, no matter what. When we say yes to Jesus, we're hidden in Christ. We're hidden in resurrection life in Jesus. We're hidden with him. We can walk with him. But how easy it is that we forget, that we feel that we somehow must earn our way to the throne. You know, oh, I'm really messed up this week. I'm not going to be able to approach the throne. I'm not be able to go into Jesus' presence this week. And I really think it grieves God. Because it's basically saying all of that isn't good enough. You know, I actually need to sort it out myself. And he's saying, no, come approach the throne just as you are because I've done it. It's not about you. It's what I've done. Not what you have or haven't done. It's about what I've done. It's a new declaration. It is a new song. It's not woe is me anymore. It's woe, you. You are the one. You are the one. Okay, secondly, he is perfectly trustworthy. He is perfectly trustworthy. You know, as I said, seven horns and seven eyes. Jesus is complete power and wisdom. And has, like I said, opened the scroll. This is now. And he knows all things. This means then that we can trust him. It means that we can trust him with our past, our present, and our future. He's holding it. He's holding it. Our history, our future, our present, he's holding it. But how many of us doubt? How many of us doubt honestly that Jesus kind of knows what he's doing? Does he really know what he's doing? Has he not seen the situation I'm in? Has he not seen the world? So easy to doubt, isn't it? And then we look at everything around us. We take our eyes off the throne, the lamb that's holding the purposes and the plans of life. And we say, oh, actually, I'm just going to take control back, actually. I'm going to start figuring out my life. 
I'm not sure I agree with what's going on with what you're doing. I'm not sure you feel, really hold eternity or have the, the plans and all the wisdom and all that. So I'm just going to take it back into my own hands. And actually, I'm going to control and figure out my life. So easy to do, isn't it? And then it leads us to think that we then can define our own lives and that's going to end out all right. You know, or we take control of other people's lives. Or even big things. It's like, okay, well, you're not doing anything about this thing, so I'm just going to go and figure it out myself. I'm going to do all sorts of things in my name to go and solve the problem that you can't see. And those, you know, being honest with the Lord and all that is brilliant, but that's what we're saying. (laughs) I don't fully trust that you hold it all in your hands. And then we cling to other things, we put our trust in other things, we depend on other things. But what I've loved about this, and again, in my life again, what I've loved is that we learn through reading this, it's, it's the reassurance again that no one else Nothing else is able to hold the plans of your life. You can't. I can't. The person next to you can't. And for your family. No one else can do it. Only Jesus. Only Jesus. So when we're weeping, unsure how this horrific situation that you might be in is going to end... We can trust because of Revelation 5. We can trust that he ultimately knows and sees all things and carries all the wisdom to execute. We can trust that he is ultimately painting a bigger picture that we can't see. And when struggling for wisdom, we seek for his wisdom Don't go seek wisdom all these other places or go seek for his wisdom. He's got it. He's holding it. Go to him. What do you say about this? What do you think I should do about this? We trust in him. We cling to him. We humble ourselves to him. Okay, three, the thirdly. What we learn from this is the way of life is self-sacrificial love. The way of life is self-sacrificial love. Jesus, in complete strength, power, and wisdom, in complete strength, power, and wisdom, showing us that the greatest power in the universe is the weakness of of sacrificial love, the foolishness of sacrificial love. The lion doesn't win by being a lion, but he wins by being a lamb. Real power Oh, and this is so hard. Real power. Biblical power. Jesus' power. Real power. Divine power is weakness and foolishness. Complete upside down power. Dara Johnson says self sacrificial love. Even if we die living this way, we win. Even if we die, Living that way, we win. And so to reign with Christ now, as he said, that we reign with Christ now, 
in his kingdom is to understand the secret of God's victory on the cross is the example of all other victories. And I wish, I really do wish, sometimes it was like a lion. I wish it was like a lion. That when you see evil, you just want to see it burn up. (laughs) But that isn't what we see. It is conquered. It is overcome. But it's so upside down. He chooses a different way. To extend the kingdom then is to lay down your life, to lay down my life, my preferences, my entitlements, and give them to God in service of him and his people. That's where fullness of life is. That's where power is. Real power is found. It's so countercultural. I was going to share a story, but maybe I won't. Bit of a. Yeah. <clears throat> but it is really countercultural. I think we, it's so easy to, um, to feel like we have to win in, in might, but it's completely upside down. And, um, and I'm, I, 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 Johnny and I are in this, and I was writing this uh, sermon this week. Um, I am right in the middle of this uh, tension, um, and I feel like God's taking. Um, I feel like God's taking Johnny and I, and, and taking me into deeper ways of um, of God asking me to obey without knowing the end of the story. You know, will you obey even if the end of the story sucks? Even if the end of the story doesn't have a little bow on it, and it's like, ta-da, you trusted, and then wonderful. It's like, what if, I'll, what if it's awful? What if the end of the story is really hard, this side of eternity, and I don't see the bigger picture? He's saying to me, will you obey no matter what? Will you lay down your life, this side of eternity, no matter what? Because this is winning. This is what it means to win. This is what it means to share in the victory of Christ. It's so upside down, but so unbelievably powerful to a world that sees it completely the other way. And if we're not doing it, they're not going to see the lamb that was slain. They're not going to see Jesus. I had um, a, a, a word a long, long time ago, well, it was like two years ago, I think, where we were that way. <laughs> I think we were all facing that way at that time, whatever that was. We like to move around here. Uh, but I had this, um, I had a really strong impression of, we were singing about an army being raised up. And I um, had a strong uh, vision of God saying, I'm not, I, I'm not raising an army like you think. I'm raising up a weak army. <laughs> And I was like, oh, gosh, what do you mean, a weak army? Um, And I saw this picture of um, so many people on the, um, it was like on a shoreline, and they were all on their faces, basically, Um, you know, so on the, like, on the the sand. And there was this power that came, like like a wave of the Spirit, you know, sort of came over them. 
and empowered these people. And I felt like the Lord was saying, I'm raising up, um, I'm raising up a, a, weak, a weak army, the, an upside-down, powerful army, uh, a, an army that is utterly surrendered to God, giving up control, giving up everything for the service of God and his people, an undivided devotion to the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know, this isn't achieved, is it, through striving? Oof, we don't want a striving weak army. <laughs> That'd be awful. Uh, firstly, we've got to receive the truth. That's how we become, you know, you don't sort of just, you know, G yourself into surrender. These people fell on their faces. You know, the elders, they fell face down. Creation fell face down because they saw the lamb. They saw the lamb. They saw that no one was worthy. And then they saw the lamb that was worthy. Do we know that? I think that's what I'm asking myself and for us. Like, do we fully grasp? Probably not. But a little bit more today. You know, do we get it? How saved we are that there was no one there was no one worthy to open it think about that but there is for our sake and it's upside down anyway I think that we are to um, to receive that in order that we fall on our faces basically it humbles us as a as the act of worship to declare who God is 